Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Imaginal Space Podcast. My name is Catherine Perry, and if you're new, welcome, and if you've listened before, welcome back. So in each episode, I've decided that, you know, as I've been experimenting with the podcast, what feels most natural for me is to do an aura reading. And if you don't know what that is, just kind of just take the time to listen, keep an open mind, and It'll kind of reveal itself to you. But basically, I'm just reading the energy of the space to see, you know, what downloads, what wisdom comes through, you know, just to bring a little bit more love into my life. I found it to be an incredibly loving and healing practice. So I'm excited to share that with you. And if you are new here, you may not know, I like to start by setting up the space. What I used to do, and I've only been doing this for a couple of episodes now. Um, But in previous episodes, what I would do is I would have this, I would recite this like eight minute prayer that I usually do um, before I do any sort of aura reading or a healing. And I would call in, you know, all of my guides, my ancestors, you know, whatever spirits I wanted to guide me for that reading. And what I found was it's probably better for you to kind of invite in, you know, whatever it is that you want to guide you, however it is that you want to set up the space. So if you want to pause and take a moment to, you know, think about, you know, whatever it is that you want to call in, whatever it is that you want to release and what it is, you know, you want to get out of our time together, you can do that now. And if you already have that in mind, and by the way, I probably am going to say this before, like, every single recording. If you're not into, you know, all of the uh, like spirits and like guides and ancestors and allies, you don't have to be for this podcast. If you just want to take the time to say, I just want to spend this time, you know, with myself, that's literally the same thing because we're all connected in that sacred way. So now I'm going to take a couple of deep breaths and then we can set up the space together. So just take the time to invite in, you know, whatever guides, spirits, ancestors you want to be with you, whatever, you know, you want to share space with. If you just want to share space with yourself, you know, you can pay attention to whatever it is that you want to call in or release in your life, whatever it is that you want, whatever it is that feels natural to you, go ahead and set that intention now. Okay, let's get started. 
And if you literally, if you ever need more time and I don't give enough time for you, then just pause it. It's a podcast, so it allows you that uh, that flexibility. All right. So today, actually. okay. so a little bit of background, you can basically look at auras are just representative of relationships. You know, auras, the way I define them, they are energetic fields. And the way you, I mean, you have your energetic field around you, but there's a lot going on there. You know, you exchange energy depending on, you know, what it is that you're paying attention to within your aura, what's in your energetic space. And in my practice, I've found it helpful, you know, to just play around. I think it's so much fun to play around, you know, in your whatever healing practice that you have, if you have one or whatever life practices that you have. You know, I think the time of rigidity and just, yeah, just rigidity and staleness. I feel like it's leaving us, you know, in terms of developing our own healing practices. So uh, playing around with auras has been, you know, incredibly healing, incredibly powerful for me. And I found that, you know, I love reading the aura of just about anything. And that's going to make a little bit more sense in a minute. So the aura I'm taking a look at, at today because I never I feel like I didn't really dive deep into this one is the aura that I looked at when I was considering whether or not to add you know getting to know my spirit babies into my healing practice I was like you know what does this look like energetically you know what are the relationships you know what's like the intention here what are the energies I would be learning about and the really cool thing about auras is while this was my intention for originally, you know, looking at this aura, the archetypes make it so the information can be for anybody. So in other words, I, these, there are six archetypes usually in the way that I look at auras, there's usually six main archetypes. Sometimes I do it with like eight and then maximum 12, but that's like almost too many. Uh, that's like, that's a lot of different energies to look at. And that's when I need like a, like just like a more detailed view of a situation or a relationship. Um, but what you'll find as you listen, and as I've done these more and more, my intent, so, and this is what makes this universe really, really cool. My original intention when looking at this aura was, you know, again, what, What kind of energies would come in if I added, you know, getting to know my spirit babies and then spirit babies in general, you know, into my practice? And this was, I want it feels like forever ago, but I feel like this was only, this was only really a month ago, honestly. But what, again, what's cool about auras is actually this is a, this is a card in here, Kairos. So I guess we can start here. So Kairos is, I was like, which one am I going to start with? And then as I just get the ball rolling, it always, I kind of figure out, you know, which one to look at. Um, Kairos is the card of mythic time. And auras make more and more sense to me as I let go of my preconceived notions of time. And I feel like this is going to be a great example of that. So again, these cards were drawn about a month ago. But with the great thing and I just thought this was a beautiful aura and a beautiful reading that I wanted to share it with you. Um, 
But what I've found is that because the archetypes in nature, uh, they are independent of space and time. So what does that mean? It means that we can all experience the energies of the archetypes in different places and different times. And like their wisdom, it just transcends space and time, kind of which really, really ties into the message of Kairos. So for example, I, again, this was about a month ago that these six cards came through. I look back, I keep a journal. I have the journal in front of me, actually. It's a beautiful leather journal that was handmade for me. Um, maybe I'll include a link. She's she's such a talented woman, you know, the person that made this for me. Um, but yeah, I have a journal of every single aura reading I've ever done. And I found that I love looking back on the different aura readings that I've done because I can still feel the love within them. And every single time I take a, and each aura is, again, it's represented in my language by six different cards. So every single time I look at it, there's something new that pops up. So even though, you know, I did this about a month ago within, you know, that linear timeline, I'm still receiving so much wisdom every single time I look back. You know what a good example of that is? It's kind of like if you have a favorite book, um, that book was written at a certain point in time, right? Or like even like the Bible is like a good example, okay? The Bible was written like who knows how long ago, okay? It's like one of the oldest books there is, you know, at least as far as I know. And people are never done, learning from the Bible. So, you know, that's like a brilliant example. Um, there are so many different interpretations of the Bible, so many different translations of the Bible. The Bible is like one of those timeless, you know, pieces of writing because there are people from all around the world with all of their different, you know, interpretations. There are Bible study groups, you know, you can go to a church if you want to and, you know, someone will lead a service interpreting passages of the Bible you can look at, you know, the same passage over and over and over again and get a different meaning of it. And that's how I feel from any one of these aura readings. You know, they are timeless just in terms of their wisdom. Actually, that goes really well with the underworld. See, I love how all this stuff connects. So right now we're looking at Kairos and the underworld. And the underworld for me has highlighted a lot about perspective. So... What's like a good example of that? All right. So the underworld, I did an entire blog post about this. I'm not sure if I published it yet. It might just still be in the bank. But the underworld is a special card in that it, it holds such an interesting story about intention and perspective. So I think the simplest example of that is if you've ever been in a situation with a friend and you're just, let's just say you're having like a normal conversation and you say something and they get upset and your intention, usually I can't speak for everybody, you know, all around the world, your intention usually is never to hurt them. But sometimes, you know, the ways in which things come out, you know, they can be hurtful even if we didn't intend them to be. That is the energy that has been coming through the underworld for me lately. And what's again, what's interesting about these cards is they have so many different meanings. You know, you would think that that's not really associated with the underworld, but the 
question with the underworld is kind of like who's in the shadow and who's in the light, you know, in that situation. And that would depend on perspective. So uh, a personal example I gave in the blog post, you know, there was this one time. So I have a beautiful sister. Uh, She's like a couple years younger than me. But as we get older, you know, that time, it doesn't really mean anything. And we never fight like ever. I can probably in the decades we've been alive, I can probably count on one hand the amount of times that we have like actually like gotten into arguments and like three of those are probably dumb childhood arguments about how like I don't know sharing toys or something like that okay really really dumb stuff one of those happened I think about a year ago and it wasn't like a full-blown argument but it was just like it was so weird for me to experience because we just we never argue so we had the wonderful opportunity to take a trip together. We had never done that before, mostly because, you know, we just haven't had the time. She lives in Canada. I live in America. So sometimes like getting together, uh, it just doesn't happen so often. And I miss her all the time. I love her so much. She's literally my favorite person. So one day on this trip, uh, we were just having a conversation about, it was like one day before the last day and how we were going to spend our time. And One thing I said, my intention, my, and this is why I bring up this example. She is like the sweetest angel that I know on this planet. I never want to do anything, you know, to make her upset or to make her feel upset ever. And then when I was, you know, I thought I was being so logical, so rational and like, you know, planning the activities and she just like was not about it, you know, and she was just upset by it. And she was like, my sister calls me Katie. She was like, you know, Katie, just because like you didn't intend, you know, for it to turn out like this, it kind of doesn't matter. Not in those exact words, but she kind of just like, let me know, you know, it doesn't matter really what your intention was. This is the result. And up until then, you know, I was a big proponent of you need to be responsible for your own reality. You need to be responsible for your own feelings. And I do believe that that is true because I do believe it is incredibly disempowering to kind of put that responsibility on other people. You know, for example, they made me feel this way. They did X, Y, Z to me. I just, for me, I'm just, I don't, I don't love that. You know, I, I'm a huge, you know, advocate of just being independent in you creating your entire existence as much as possible, you know, and also just taking charge and taking responsibility how for how you interpret other people's energy. You know, that's like a huge foundation for this entire space, right? On the, that's very, very important that, and this example doesn't take away from that importance, but on the flip side, what's also important is, you know, considering the impact you want to have on other people. And yes, you can be the kind of person, and there are plenty of them out there that are just like, you need to take responsibility for your own feelings. I have nothing to do with this, blah, 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 blah. And you can do that, but do you want to? And I think it needed to happen, and I know it needed to happen with her specifically because I would never want that, you know, to have that kind of impact on my sister or to leave that kind of like imprint on her, if that makes sense. So That was that's the example I always use with the underworld, because for me, because it's kind of a card sometimes of 
you know, trying to place who's in the right and who's in the wrong. And there's no such thing, you know, we're all in the, so in that example, I would have been the one, you know, coming out of the underworld, you know, kind of like spreading darkness in her perspective because of the impact my words had on her. And for me, I, in that moment, I could have perceived it as she's staying in the underworld. She's choosing to stay in darkness. But if you, it's like, well, then who's really in the underworld? Both of us, you know? So in a broader sense, the underworld calls us to pay attention to, you know, while we may think that we are in the light and we, you know, we we all think, you know what, that's like kind of the point, right? We're all, we all think that we're in the light. You know, we all think that, you know, our intentions are the best because again, you know, we, none of us are really like, you know what, I want to do what's in my worst interest possible. I want to do what's in my worst interest. I want to do, you know, what's in everybody's worst interest. I just want to spread my darkness and spread my worst interests everywhere. No, you know, even people that have, you know, are doing seemingly dark things, they think that they're doing the quote unquote right thing or the, you know, the light thing and that everybody else is in the underworld and that they need to, you know, bring them into the light. You know, and so I think this card, the underworld, it's such like a, it's such a humbling archetype to remind us that, you know, you need to pay attention to both. You need to pay attention to your not only your intention, but also the perception of whomever it is that you're sharing space with, because that is incredibly revealing. You know, if you only and paying attention to one side only doesn't really help you. So if you're only paying attention to your intention and what that was, you know, back to the example with my sister, then it, then that would have been me just like not even caring, you know, about how she felt about it. However, on the flip side, if I only cared about her perception, then it's like, I have no sense of self, you know, then I have no intentions because I'm only, you know, playing off of, you know, everybody else's perception of myself. It's like, you have to take into account both. You have to take into account your intention, you know, whatever it is that you want to accomplish, whatever it is that you want to get done, you know, the imprint, the effect that you want to leave. And then you also need to pay attention to the other person's perspective, you know, how you're coming off. Because again, you might think that, you know, you're like the greatest thing on God's green earth, you know, spreading the love, spreading the light, and you're not helping anyone, you know, so what's the point? What's the point in if that's truly your intention, and that's truly who you are at your core, well, then what's the point if nobody can even receive it? You know, so and it's like a delicate balance because you don't want to, you know, adjust yourself too much, you know, to try and like fit and like make other people, you know, like comfortable or anything like that. That's not it. It takes it takes a little bit of playing around. But that's one of the that's one of the reasons I really, really love the underworld, because, again, we I think we have this habit of looking at other people and saying or just not not everybody but specific people in specific situations and saying, oh no, they're in the underworld. I need to use my light to like bring them out of the, drag them out of the darkness. And they're probably thinking the same thing about you. So it's kind of, it's also just like a nice, you know, reality check card. Um, But back to Kairos for a second, because I kind of like jumped from Kairos and directly into this. Actually, let's go to the vow. Okay, we'll, we'll like, we'll circle back around. 
Um, so the vow. I the vow was one of those cards where there. Okay, so I feel like there are cards in this deck where you know this deck came out a year ago. So within the past year, where I looked at a card and I was like, I understand you. And or not even that I fully comprehended, but I just like felt a connection. And then there are other cards where I was like, I I don't know where we're going with this. And I think the vow was one of them. So but the vow to me represents sacred contracts. So again, some of these cards, the beauty, the beauty of you know, developing your own language is I say with anything, honestly, if you ever pick up like a different, any sort of tool, you know, so if you're ever looking at any mystical tools such as, you know, this archetype deck, other oracle decks, tarot decks, crystals, essential oils, you know, or like systems like astrology, human design, numerology, whatever, toss away, don't even look stuff up on the internet, toss away the guidebook, you know, whatever comes with it. And then just channel whatever comes to you because it'll be a lot less confusing. I read through the guidebook, you know, for, you know, these archetypes like about a year ago. And Kim's amazing. She, you know, wrote the guidebook, made the deck. So her words are beautiful, you know. Um, She's like one of my favorite, you know, artists, writers combined together. However... The wisdom that I get is not in line, you know, with whatever she wrote. And that's like kind of the point, you know, it's not meant to be the same. So the vow to me, that's like my sacred contracts card. And so I love that in combination with the underworld, because what those two point to is remember. Okay, yeah, actually, this is like a good example. So when people hear like sacred contracts, soul contracts. What's interesting to me is they think it's only with specific people, you know? So people love to focus on like, oh, I wonder who my soulmate is. And I remember, you know, when I kind of first got into this stuff when I was younger, you know, soulmates were like only, you know, romantic connections. And then people eventually branched out and they were like, oh no, you know, you can have like family soulmates. So like your soulmate can be like your mother, you know, somebody you've spent like a bunch of past lifetimes with. It could be your cousin um, or there could also it could be friends, you know, really, really close friends, you know, friends that you feel like you've known, you know, forever. And you just feel like that extra special connection. That. I really I like that interpretation, but I think we can take it one step further. You know, one of the. There are so many downloads that like stick out in my mind. And one of them for me was the world is your soulmate. So I think we can, I think again, like playing around with like soulmates, twin flames, sacred contracts, like that's like a lot of fun, you know, to look at in terms of, oh, well, that's interesting. I'm going to get to that later. Okay. So I think it's a lot of fun to play around with soulmates, twin flames, you know, soul contracts, you know, with our friends and family. But again, taking it one step further, what if you had that with everyone and everything? You know, what if you had a sacred bond, not only with, you know, maybe your friends and your family, but with everything around you, you know, and what if we treated people like that? So even if we don't know, you know, what that sacred contract is in its entirety or what that looks like, you know, 
because that could be really overwhelming too. You know, imagining, just imagine all of the, you know, billions and infinite, you know, life forms that there are. Imagine having like a sacred contract with all of them. That's overwhelming. And what what are you going to do? Look into every single one. You know, that would be, you know, that would take a lot of time and you could spend your entire life doing that and never be done, you know, because there are infinite life forms in existence. But what if we just treated everybody that way? Do you know what I mean? So again, you know, we're all human. And this actually goes back to the example with my sister. If that happened with like a random person, I might not have cared as much, you know, to be very honest for where I was in my life and, you know, what I needed to learn. I probably would not have cared as much. Now it's a little bit different. Literally, I'm so sensitive. And like I and for me, I mean, I don't even know whatever you want to call it, like empath, clairsentience, whatever. I'm just so sensitive in general. And I know what it's like to, you know, get my feelings hurt and like to feel hurt. So I would just never, ever, I doesn't, it literally doesn't matter who it is. I would never want to do that to anyone else. You know, I don't care. I don't care if I know them or not, or like, you know, if I know them on like a personal third dimensional level, I literally don't care. I would never want to make, I would never want to have that kind of impact on someone. Like that's not the impression that I would, I think I said imprint before. That's just not the impression I would ever want to leave no matter what, no matter like who's in, you know, again, the quote unquote underworld and who's not, whatever my intention was, whatever their perspective was. Again, I think those underworld interactions, they can be also incredibly powerful to just readjust and use them if you want to. And again, not everybody is going to agree to this, but you can even just do this within yourself, you know, using it again to, reevaluate, you know, what is your intention and how you are coming across to other people, you know, always, you know, reevaluating the impression and the legacy that you want to leave. You know, I say with everybody that you meet, it's kind of like you're establishing a legacy of energy, you know? So, you know, if you meet someone, you have an interaction, you're, and they kind of pass on, you know, whatever energy you pass on to them, they're taking it throughout their day. You know, um, for example, there was one office I worked in. It was really, really small. So and I want to say I worked with six people. Okay, there were probably like 20 people total in this entire office. And so it was a very, um, a very like linear hierarchical structure. So whenever, you know, the main person in charge was not in a good mood that kind of that anxiety and that energy just kind of trickled down to the rest of the office. And that is kind of what we're doing every single day. And that's why, you know, paying attention to our auras and paying attention to our relationships is so important because the energy that unless that person is good at stopping in it in its tracks and, you know, that's where forming boundaries and energetic boundaries is really, really important, you know, Taking the opportunity, if like if somebody passed on any form of negative energy to you whatsoever, being strong enough to say and to transform it into love as soon as possible is really important so you don't pass that on to somebody else. Um, anyway, but yeah, going back to the vow for a little bit. Oh, that's what I was saying with the underworld. Oh, we can hop a little bit back. 
Um, with respect to the underworld, like I said, I don't know if that lesson would have hit, you know, in that specific way if it wasn't coming through my sister. Because I really, again, I really, really care about her. And, you know, for where I was in my life, you know, it was important for that to come through very, very crystal clear. And like I said, now I could never if anybody felt upset and that was the impression, the energetic impression that I left on anybody, I would also be upset by that. You know, I would want to remedy that. So going back now, we can go back to the vow because that's like the perfect example of, you know, again, the vow and like sacred contracts, soulmates, twin flames, you know, that's all very, you know, nice and beautiful. But in what if, you know, we transferred again, that's all nice to look at and to look deeper into and to learn. And again, it sparks this love, it sparks, you know, this vibrant curiosity when you learn. Again, if you're like into any of that stuff, um, I very much am. But if you are and you learn that you like, oh, like, I don't know, something like I we had like 100 past lives together, like we spent one of those past lives in like Cambodia and we were doing X, Y, Z and we were in these roles and in these bodies. And this is what we did together and this is what we learned from one another. You know, looking at all of that stuff is really, really cool. And you can feel very, very close to someone or, you know, closer to someone after kind of taking a deep dive into looking into your past life history and your contract and, you know, looking at what that person is meant to, you know, be in your life. That's really, really cool. But why does it stop with just like four people? You know, and again, it's not necessarily about like digging into, you know, every single contract that you could possibly have with every single person, every single spirit, every single ancestor, because that is, that would, again, that would be a lot of work. But again, what about just treating everyone as if you have that because you do, you know, in like some special way, you know, what I was receiving and I was like, I'm going to talk about that later is that this is another part of the aura. So I think I said this earlier and there's an entire podcast episode, you know, that introduces um, what auras are and, you know, what the different parts of the aura are. But the aura primarily represents relationship and relationship energetic relationship is one of my favorite things to take a look at and in that way it's kind of like it's kind of like a sacred contract you know you can look at you know the archetypes and the energies that you are teaching you know a specific you know you're teaching in that relationship what they're bringing to you to the table you know there's so many things that you can look at within the aura and you can look at the aura of any relationship. So again, the vow, the vow is a beautiful archetype in, you know, shifting your perspective in this world to understand that every single form of life, animals, plants, humans, and I say life forms because, you know, I feel like so many healing practices are human centered. And I think we can do so much more, you know, if we include more life. So every single Again, animal, plant, human, uh, spirit, ancestor, guide of any multidimensional form. You can have a contract with them. They have something to show you. You have something to show them. And that's what the vow is all about. And actually, let's jump into the fault line. 
because I had a feeling this was where we, you know, this was where we were going to go. And actually we can do like the fault line and the shaman. Actually, yeah. Fault line shaman, the one. Those are our last three archetypes there. So the fault line is the card of redefining reality and shaking things up. And I love this in combination with the vow because the fault line and the vow, again, it speaks to what I was saying before about that foundational shift in perspective. And that's something that just that just takes some practice or maybe not. You know, maybe you can just snap your fingers and then understand the world that way. But the again, the vow and the fault line, those two go together. You know, I would say the fault line and the storm. The storm is not necessarily in this aura, but those are like the big, like, we need to, you know, shake stuff up. You know, we need to shake stuff up in terms of the way, in terms of X, Y, Z. And in this case, the fault line plus the vow, the fault line is, you know, redefining reality from the ground up. And I love that in combination with the vow because what I was saying earlier about, you know, just imagining, you know, the the energy and the love, you know, that is behind. Like if you had a sacred contract with everyone and that was just your new reality, again, you don't need to know the specific details, but just imagining the energy and the love behind that sacred contract, that would be enough to shake up your reality. And all right, so we have the shaman. So the whenever certain cards come up, I'm like, I feel like I need like a little disclaimer here. There are cards like the shaman where the shaman is a beautiful, powerful archetype. Um, this does not mean you become a shaman tomorrow. Okay. So because I feel like there's there's just so much, you know, of that. There's so much cultural appropriation. And there's so many discussions about, you know, is it cultural appropriation if I incorporate shamanism into my healing practice? You know, where's the line? And so I want to draw that line in the sand for you now so you can understand the shaman. We're talking about the shaman in terms of an archetype. All of these are archetypes, not in terms of like third dimensional, you know, professions. Because being a shaman, I don't know, I don't know too, too much about shamanism. You know, one of my, actually three of my favorite, favorite healers all have shamanism within their practice, but they take that very, very seriously. So I just want to let you know, that's not what this is. It's just the archetype, the shaman. So that being said, the shaman is one of the cards. It's not an initiation. So Kairos, the initiation cards in the deck are like kind of like the big trump cards or like the majors. If you've ever seen like a tarot deck, the shaman, though, is one of the only cards that is not an initiation that is composed of energies of three other cards. And that is the mentor, the healer and the unseen. So, again, the mentor, the healer and the unseen, those come together to create the shaman. And one of, again, one of my favorite teachers in shamanism always says that shamanism is all about relationship. So the shamanism plus the vow, that's the energy behind what I was saying earlier about remembering that you can have a sacred contract with any form of life. You know, that's what this, that's what the shaman is here in this aura reading. So Again, it's not it's not just about humans. 
you know, one of the reasons I have loved, you know, anything that I've learned about shamanism, not a shaman, but just like anything that I've learned from my teachers that are, I love their practices because they're just not, they incorporate all of the different dimensions of life. You know, it's not just about humans all the time. So they invite in, you know, their ancestors, spirit guides, um, allies of all kinds, plants, animals, you know, crystals, oils. They have like a full, it's like a full multidimensional, beautiful practice. And that's because, again, we have, you know, three elements here within the shaman. We have the mentor. And the mentor is the card of just understanding that you are a student of spirit like life, you know, and that never goes away. So that energy within the shaman is understanding that, you know, within all of the multidimensional life forms, they are your teacher, you know? So every plant, every animal, every spirit, that is your teacher. And then there's the healer. And the healer is the card of remembering, you know, exactly who you are. You know, so again, so many claim the healer as their third dimensional label, their third dimensional career. The healer archetype is just simply remembering exactly, you know, who it is that you are and what it is that you're here to do, and then bringing that remembrance to everyone. And then we have the unseen, which again is, you know, spirits, all of the, you know, ones that you can and cannot imagine. And this is where it gets very, very fun. So I find it, you know, again, all guides, all spirits, you know, everyone, they have that dimension of love within them. I like to say that they are expressions of source, dimensions of spirit. They're all the same, just translated through different lenses, you know, just like we are, you know, I am, you know, an expression of source, you know, through a very specific, you know, third dimensional lens, kind of like a kaleidoscope, you know, and that's every single living form, you know, we all have different, you know, things to offer, different energetic gifts, different things to do on this planet that creates that kind of multidimensional lens or, yeah, kind of like a fun kaleidoscope. You know, I used to say that a lot because I thought it was really, really fun. Um, and so there's just a special part of the shaman that is interacting with the unseen forms of life that, again, plus the vow just understanding that you have, and again, the unseen is, yeah, the unseen is, you know, whatever you think is possible and also whatever you think is impossible. So whatever is impossible for you is very possible for someone else, you know? So the the spirit world is infinite, okay? It's huge, you know? There's so much to learn from and it's just like it's not even conceivable, you know, with the mind, just, you know, how huge it is. We all have the ability to access it, but we're all, you know, tapping into different dimensions of the spirit world. And I think it's amazing when two people can tap into the same dimension. Um, but all of that to say is, you know, there are endless amounts of spirits that you can connect with. But these three, so basically honoring that everything is your teacher, the mentor, remembering who you are and making a promise, you know, to use whatever love, whatever powers you have to help other people remember who they are. That's the healer. And then the unseen is 
not only just like the spirits in the spirit worlds, but honoring the unseen in all life, you know? So that goes for unseen perspectives, you know? So there's so many people out there that have, you know, wildly different perspectives than I do that I just don't know about, you know, that's a part of the unseen as well. And honoring that and respecting that that's also a part of the shaman. You know, and again, shamanism, the way that I've, you know, learned anything about it, it's all about developing those relationships, you know? So developing a relationship with, you know, the teacher within all forms of life, developing a relationship with yourself to remember who you are, and then, you know, doing the same for other people, and then developing a relationship with all of the unseen aspects of life. So I love the shaman and the vow together. And then we have the one which is our last card because I talked about the one, the fault line, or I'm going to talk about the one, but I've talked about the fault line, Kairos, the shaman, the vow, and the underworld. And the one is our last card. All of this, everything that I'm talking about really points to the one because it's all about bringing us closer together, you know, as a universal family. So we, again, the fault line plus the vow, you know, redefining the way that we look at sacred contracts, you know, that brings us closer together in realizing that you have a sacred contract with every single potential life form within that, within our universal family that points to the one. The vow and the shaman, again, you know, rethinking. So the fault line in the vow is, you know, just redefining, you know, how it is that we think about sacred contracts, you know, not thinking about them in terms of they're only available for a select few. So that was the example I gave of like, oh, like I have a contract with my brother. I don't even have a brother. So I don't know why that example came through. But yeah, I have a contract with my brother and I have another one with my significant other. And then, you know, the person I met like 10 years ago on the street, you know, those three people I have sacred contracts with. Okay. The fault line's kind of like, no more. And understanding that you have one with everyone. And then the shaman kind of is an interesting flavor to add on to the vow in terms of, you know, realizing the contract, the different life forms that we can have contracts with. So that's what I was saying about, you know, shamans are really grounded. So we have the shaman archetype really, really grounded. So we have plants, animals, and then spirits, the unseen, all forms of life. They are all your teachers. They are also all potentially your healers to remind you of exactly who you are if you give them the chance. So that's the shaman and the vow. And then the vow and the underworld. Again, and so I love how all of this points to the one. Again, just bringing us closer together, realizing that we are not, you know, as separate as we think we are. And then the vow and the underworld and understanding that, you know, perspective, perspective is so subjective. You know, and understanding, you know, and this is the example I gave with my sister, understanding really at your core just how subjective perspective is, that kind of also breaks down the barriers and brings us closer together and realize, you know, and in understanding, you know, we aren't as separate as we thought we are, you know, so that's the vow in the underworld is the ability to look at someone else Understand that, you know, while you believe that they are spreading darkness, they believe that they are, you know, spreading the light. Because like I said earlier, we aren't usually walking around here thinking, 
Yeah, I just want to do what's in my absolute worst interest today. And I want to also do that for everybody else. No, that's not really what we're doing here. You know, so taking the underworld is taking the time to understand that, you know, someone else's intention is to bring you out of the underworld, is to bring you out of darkness. And even though that might not be the impact that they're having, that's probably their intention. And so taking the time to understand their intention, their perspective is invaluable in bringing us all closer together. Then there's Kairos. And I kind of started with this one after the fault line, but didn't really get to, you know, take a deep dive into it. Love is absolutely timeless. And that's what I was saying earlier about like, you know, again, this aura. See, perfect example. Maybe that's why we're kind of going into Kairos last. So again, you know, for like the 600th time, this aura was from like a month ago, just about a month ago, uh, just under a month ago. But look at all of the love and the healing that it's brought us today, you know, and so really changing our relationship with time. That helps a lot. That helps with like a lot of these cards, you know, and in understanding that, you know, within linear time, perspectives change, intentions change, and then whether something is like good or bad, that also changes. So Kairos and the underworld, you know, all these cards go really well together. But in terms of this discussion, Kairos and underworld speak to, you know, depending on whatever's happening within this linear timeline, that can be labeled as good or bad. And that might not necessarily hold true. That might not necessarily be true in like 10 years. Okay. So um, what's like a nice example? Uh, all right. Like milk. Let, let's keep it light today. Because I was like, there are like so many examples I could think of right now. And it's just like, that's not, you know, totally distract from the message here. Um, milk. Milk is an easy example. So there was like a time when, you know, people would be feeding their and maybe people still feed their children milk. I don't know. All right. But people thought that like milk was like the golden nectar of life. Okay, you fed your children milk, you know, so that they would grow big and strong, you know, whatever. And I think like cow's milk is still beneficial. Probably. I, I really don't know. So, you know, don't quote me on this. Um, But I think that people still think that it's still beneficial up until like a certain age, you know, in a child's development. Um, Yeah. Now we understand that drinking milk as an adult is like not the best idea and like too much dairy in general. Like, I mean, dairy, you know, whatever you can have, whatever opinions you want on it. But drinking straight up milk, I don't think people really do too, too much of that anymore. But you know what? I don't know. My family, my family was never one of those like huge milk families anyway. But I knew, I knew a family that they would drink milk with every meal. Okay. I'm talking breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And like, they were like, and this was like until they were like teenagers, you know, in high school. Um, And you know what? And so, and you know what, even whether or not like scientifically, because I really don't know, um, that's like good or bad for you. There was a time, however, where the perspective was like, that's totally acceptable. That's great for you. And now people are just asking questions, 
you know? So that is like the underworld and the Cairo and Kairos at work. You know, there was one time where like people thought like, you know, there was like nothing better you could do for yourself than, you know, having like a cup of milk with like your spaghetti or whatever it is that you're eating at dinner. And now the perspective is changing where it's like milk has kind of, you know, you know, maybe we don't we want to we don't want to do that as much, you know, because milk cow's milk is like made to, you know, turn like baby cows into like, you know, huge adult cows. So, you know, maybe it's not as good as we thought, you know, whether or not that's actually true or not, the perspective has changed and people are just asking more questions. So, again, that's Kairos and the underworld at work, you know, understanding that perspective is not only so subjective, it's really, really fluid you know, in terms of time. So all of these like third dimensional stories, all of these human perspectives, they don't stand, they don't always stand the test of time in the way that love does, you know, and that's going back to the one. So, you know, the one is everything I've ever talked about, you know, about like non-duality, you know, understanding that we are one universal family. And I love the one in the vow. Because I think, yeah, the one in the vow is that download of like understanding, you know, that same bond that you would expect to kind of feel with like, oh, that person's my soulmate. You have the ability to build that bond with anybody at any time and feel the love in that relationship. And so what's funny about this is this act, this absolutely, you know, answers the question about, you know, for me, you know, adding spirit babies into my practice, you know, in terms of developing different bonds with different spirits that you might not know much about. You know, when I first started contemplating that and I was like curious, I was like, like, I'm curious, but I don't know much about it. And there's just not much literature on it. You know, what do I do? And this was what kind of sparked that exploration. And now what I'm understanding is, you know, and I'll probably write a little bit about this later, but you have the opportunity to develop, again, the vow. You have the opportunity to really develop that, you know, loving relationship that transcends time, bringing back in Kairos with anybody at any time, if you want to, with your language. So for me, a good example for me is, again, auras are representative of relationship. And I won't go too, di- you know, too, too deep into the anatomy of, you know, auras. Probably it'll probably make more sense if I just write it. So maybe I'll do that later. Um, but it's looking at relationship. So like I said earlier, at the very beginning of this podcast episode, you can look at the aura of anything, you know, and that was kind of my gateway into getting to know my spirit babies. And you can do that with anything. And that's like kind of the fun part. That's the point of all of this is, you know, you can do that with anyone and anything, you know, whatever it is that you're curious about, whatever it is that you want to learn more about. And I think that's actually now that I'm like looking at this entire aura, that's like a really, really big part of this is, you know, uh, yeah, I love that. I love that as kind of like a wrap up point taking the time there again, there are like infinite forms of life in this universe. And then there's like beyond this universe. Okay. More than the mind can 
possibly comprehend. So it's not like you have to do, you don't, you don't have to do it all. But if you're ever, you know, curious or you feel drawn to something like, I want to learn how to develop like relation. I want to learn about this uh, saying or, you know, receiving, I want to learn about this is kind of the equivalent of receiving. I want to develop relationship with this. So paying attention to whatever that is and, you know, doing, you know, whatever it is that you can to develop a relationship with that part of our universal family, that's you serving the collective in your own way. So again, for me, that came naturally with spirit babies, you know, for other people that comes naturally with animals and like some people love plants and they just want to learn about plants all day and have a stunning healing practice that is all about like herbalism or essential oils, you know, whatever. Some people are really into crystals. Those are all forms of relationship, you know, within this universal family. And I think it's a a beautiful, beautiful thing to integrate that into your life somehow. And again, it doesn't have to be the shaman in the vow just says that, you know, the opportunity is out there, you know, and it doesn't always have to be what you think. And it, in or, you know, in terms of developing loving relationships, you know, it's bringing us outside of, you know, it doesn't just have to be your family and your friends, although it could be, you know, if you're like the kind of person that's just like amazing to your friends and that's like what you feel called to do, that's all you need to be doing. You know, it doesn't have to be in like this like crazy multidimensional way. Like for me, that's just like what I feel drawn to naturally. That's what comes naturally to me. And it doesn't have to be like that for everyone, you know, back to my sister. So I just like, I love her. She's like the most amazing friend to all of her friends. You know, I've met her friends before. And like the fact that they are just like so obsessed with her. I'm like, and you know, the way that they talk about her, I'm like, wow, you're just like, you're such an amazing friend to your friends and like that. And where, wherever you can put your energy, that's all that you need to do, you know, Back to what I was saying before about, you know, energy transference in relationship. If you can do your best to just like spread love within, you know, whatever relationships you develop, that will show up, you know, and that will show up within our universal family, a.k.a. the one archetype. So I love this spread. You know, I think that it it points to a lot in terms of, you know, redefining how it is that we interact with other forms of life, you know, the forms of life available to us, AKA the shaman, you know, how we interact with perspective, how we interact with time. That's also going to be very interesting. Kairos has been showing up a lot and it definitely showed up a lot as I was, you know, contemplating, you know, how do I want to integrate, you know, getting to know, spirit babies and like that world into my practice it showed up a lot and I'm like excited to see you know where it goes where it continues to take me but just you know contemplate that you know contemplate basically how you are developing relationship you know what it is that you want to develop relationship with you know considering that every single person you develop relationship with they are a part of this universal family and they are impacting other people in this universal family and whether that's in like a very linear way or a very you know multi-dimensional quantum way they're all equal you know any way in which you can like spread and send your love and like take again the underworld taking time to understand 
other people's perspectives, other people's intentions, that just brings all of us closer together. All right. So perfect, perfect timing. I'm always like, can I do this in like an hour? Um, so I don't just like ramble or anything like that. But all right. So we're going to close out kind of the same way that we came in. So we're going to take a couple of deep breaths. So just going to do that. Thank you so, so much to all of the guides, ancestors, guardians, angels that came to support us today. We feel your love. We appreciate it. And please show us how we can continue to show love to one another. Thank you. All right. So that is it for today. Um, That was very, very enjoyable, you know, for me to share space with you. It's always illuminating. I always like, again, anytime, anytime I look at, you know, any aura reading I've ever done, like I said, Kairos, they are, you know, timeless in that respect. So they always have new love to offer, you know, within the, you know, specific combination of cards. So thank you so much for sharing space with me. If you enjoyed, you know, this podcast episode, please rate, review, subscribe. You know, that's really, really important, you know, within the world of podcasting. So that would be so beautiful if you could do that for me, if you feel inspired to do so. Um, otherwise I will talk to you next time.